Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. This is episode 199, and we're talking about worldview and the importance of parents to teach their children a thoroughly Christian worldview. In case you weren't with us, for our first two worldview questions, this series is going to be covering seven worldview questions. Our first question was, where do I come from? In other words, what's my origin? Worldview question number two, where am I going? What happens after I die? And before you just leap to the conclusion that your children have a very accurate uh, knowledge of this, I would suggest it'd be well worth your time in case you weren't with us in our previous two episodes to cover those because there's literally no worldview without questions one and two. Those are the foundations. Those are your twin pillars holding up a Christian worldview. But our question today, number three, is why am I here? In other words, what's the meaning and purpose of my life? And I told you this fact that was printed in USA Today. They did a national survey, and they asked folks, what if you could ask God a question and get a direct and immediate answer? And you know what? One-third of Americans said, actually 34%, and it was the largest response. It was the number one question, what is my purpose here? That's the number one question Americans have if they had the opportunity to ask God directly. And we're going to be sharing with you, mom and dad, how you can find your purpose here and, so importantly, convey that to your children. I'd like to start with probably the most concise and accurate answer to that question. It comes from the Baltimore Catechism, question six. It says, why did God make you? In other words, why did you put, why did he put you on this planet? And the answer is this, God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in heaven. And I would actually slightly modify that answer to be happy with him forever on the new earth. And if you're wondering why I make that slight change, listen to those earlier episodes and you'll find out exactly why. This is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is what the entire Catechism opens up with, and it's a direct answer to the number one question that people in our country, and I dare say people all around the world are asking. You know, at some point in your life, you have to ask, you know, what's it all about? What am I supposed to do here? Section one of the Catechism of the Catholic Church the life of man, to know and love God. That's just like the Baltimore Catechism. It says, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, and to love him with all his strength. 
And then if you drop down just to this third paragraph, paragraph number three in the Catechism, which is in this introductory section, the life of man, what's, what's, what's the purpose of our life? It says this, and listen carefully, and this is something sometimes missed by a lot of Catholics, and it's this. Those who, with God's help, have welcomed Christ's call and freely responded to it are urged on by love. This isn't a have-to-do list so I can get into heaven type of thing. In other words, you've encountered God, and encountering him, you've encountered the love of God. And then it says, now we're urged on by the love of Christ. In other words, to fulfill our purpose, we encounter his love, we know his love, and then we're urged on to do something by his love. And what's that? to proclaim the good news everywhere in the world. Now, it says in the next sentence, this treasure received from the apostles has been faithfully guarded by their successors. And everybody's saying, that's wonderful. I'm so glad our bishops are passing on the faith. And that's their job to pass on the faith throughout the whole world. But there's the next sentence. All Christ's faithful are called to hand it on from generation to generation by professing the faith, by living it, and by celebrating it in the liturgy. You see, it's everyone's task to encounter and know God, encounter his love, and then urged on by that love, you don't want to contain it, you want to share it with others. And it's not just the job of bishops and priests and deacons. No, it's the job of all Christ's faithful. This is part of what we're to be here. And you think, well, that's easy for you to say, Steve. You have a radio show and you're heard on Catholic stations and these podcasts. And, you know, I'm just out here working my job and uh, trying to run a household. How can I evangelize? Well, let me tell you about what I consider the most effective evangelism that I have done since moving to Greenville, South Carolina about 12 years ago. And you know what? It's not this microphone that I'm speaking to you with right now. No, we moved into a 52-year-old building that was in dire need of major renovation. Everything was chained from the air conditioning, the ceilings, the windows, installing this radio studio and everything else. And I would dare say in my 12 years here in Greenville, it was during the course of that construction and renovation, I had my best opportunity to share the love of Christ that I've had since living here for 12 years. And it, it was amazing. I can remember a very shy uh, guy installing our air conditioning. And one day, I remember, I can just still see it. He's walking down the hall, and he said, uh, I have a hard time communicating to my wife. Do you have anything that can help me? Because he knew we were trying to, from a Catholic perspective, help families. I can remember a Baptist working on this building. I won't share which trade he was with, but... As his wife was dying of cancer, he ha happened to be driving by th this building, and he said, um, is it okay if a Baptist calls a Catholic and asks for a prayer request for my wife? You see, there's connections you can make with your air conditioning man, 
with uh, repairman, with the person working on your car or painting your house or your doctor or a nurse while you're waiting to see your doctor, the people you work with, the people you might be sitting next to right now riding in a car. There's wonderful opportunities. You don't have to be a big expert. The basic requirement is you just have to know God and love God, encounter his love, and then simply share that as God opens doors. You don't have to kick doors open. This isn't some uh, cop and robber show with that big thing bashing in doors. No, God takes care of all of that. He'll open that door, and you just be full of the love of Christ, and you can find these opportunities. There's an important scripture that I think we should all uh, kind of embrace, and I'm going to suggest, I think it's the first time I've heard it on Catholic radio, but almost a couple of verses from one of St. Paul's epistles that could almost be our Catholic radio purpose statement, and it's this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 says, and his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, verse 12 for the purpose to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, (laughs) the purpose of your priest, the purpose of teachers in the church, school teachers, catechists, and, and Catholic radio shouldn't be to watch somebody else do all the work of the ministry. No, they're trying to equip everyone all of the faithful to do the ministry. And you know, there's a different way of listening to Catholic radio. Is it just for me? Or am I listening to try to learn my faith so then when God will open a door, I'll be ready. And you'll find if you seek to be ready, he will in fact open doors for you to share the gospel in a very natural way with people you encounter. And I can remember I was teaching a Bible study here. Actually, I've taught it twice to young people in the Gospel of John. But the second time, I think I got smart. It's kind of online with what I'm trying to get at here. I kept saying to young people, this is how you will use this verse when you share the Gospel of John with somebody. In other words, I tried to teach them not that they were the final input, like whatever we learned that just went into them and it stayed there. No, they were a vessel. And I was trying to, even in the course of teaching, trying to get them used to the idea that God is going to be using them to share what they're learning with others. And I dare say, every time you turn on the dial for Catholic Radio, it's a wonderful opportunity to remember, you're not the final destination of what you hear. Take it in and pay attention and realize that God is, going, is calling you and wants to use you to share that with others. And I'll just dare say, when God uses you that way, there's great joy that comes into your life. Because Jesus said there's great joy in heaven when this type of thing happens. And heaven literally shares its joy with you. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. And people say, oh, why am I here? You're here to come to know love, and serve God. And once you encounter that love, you're urged on to share the good news. And But 
in order to be able to share it, you have to kind of have that intention. And so I would encourage you to do that. And now here's something that might be just uh, revolutionary. We've all heard of predestination, somehow that God plans things in advance. Well, do you know that God has a predestined plan for your life? He has a unique plan and vocation or calling or purpose for each and every one of his sons and daughters. And I'm going to go to a scripture verse still in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, this time chapter 2, starting in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10 kind of says it all here. In other words, we encounter God by the gift of his grace, not because of jumping through some religious hoops and hurdles. No, he just comes to us in his love. And so finding his plan for our life, his plan is not some kind of uh, climbing the ladder up to heaven. No, we believe in the incarnation of the Son of God. He came down the ladder from heaven for us and shares his love for us. Even though we don't deserve it, now we're urged on. So it's not because of works trying to earn our way to heaven, but there's works to do. It says we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, and it says we are his workmanship, created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. This is from someone no less than St. Thomas Aquinas. He said, for predestination is nothing else than the prearrangement of God's blessings. In other words, he's planned blessings, among which blessings are good works themselves are numbered. See, to do good work, this isn't like, oh, gee, I got to go do something for Jesus this week just to get my brownie points so I might be able to go to heaven. That's not Christianity. That's not how it works. He comes to us through grace. We don't earn it because of our own steam, our own works, but he wants to shower a blessing in our life. And I've shared with you just a moment ago that literally heaven will share its joy when you share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else. But there's a whole variety of good works that actually God has planned beforehand. Now, I'm going to take this a step further. His plan extends before you were even born. Listen to Psalm 139. You may have heard this read before, but listen in a special way. Psalm 139, for thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, you are not an accident. You are made for a purpose. He goes on to say, when I was being made in secret, intricately wrought in the depths of the earth, Thy eyes beheld my unformed substance. In thy book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, 
when as yet there were none of them. A lot of people, you know, flip around saying, I don't believe in predestination. Well, St. Thomas Aquinas did, okay? St. Paul did. And your good works are predestined. God formed you, made you, equipped you, gifted you, guided you, and led you to this moment in your life for a purpose. And the purpose is a blessing. And so you say, well, you know, where do I go on the internet to get the computer printout for all of my days that Psalm 139 is talking about? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, it doesn't work like that, but it's more like an adventure. And I like to take you back to that verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, where it says, we are his workmanship. We're going to come back to that word. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I'm not trying to throw around big Greek words, but that Greek word for workmanship is poema. And if you go to dictionary.com, you'll find that the English word poem comes from that Greek word. In other words, we are his poem. God has so arranged our being, our development in our mother's wombs. He has so predestined a plan for our lives, and it all fits. It all works together. And my say, well, I want the printout. If you want a printout, <laughs> I don't know what to say because there isn't a printout. It's an adventure of faith. Faith means uh, God has given me a path to walk, which he shows me now. He's not going to show me 10 years from now or five years from now or maybe not even a year from now, but he shows me a path to walk now. And by faith, you just start following him, and you really don't know where it's going to lead, but it's a good thing. Uh, it's like your life is a story that has been written, and the adventure of life is not just to do your own thing and like, okay, I got to go to Mass on Sunday. Okay, that's done. Now I'll get back to my life. No. That's when you end up at 50 years old and asking yourself, what in the world did I do with my life? What was I thinking? What am I here for? What's life about? Well, whatever age you are right now, you can discover this, but you have to launch. By launching, I mean you have to take a step. I'm a sailor. I love sailboats. Haven't done a lot of it lately. Well, actually, I got to do a little bit of it lately. But in any case, in a sailboat, you have a tiller which steers the sailboat, which way you're supposed to go. And the problem is a tiller is 100% worthless if you're standing still. In other words, the boat has to be moving, even if it's moving a tiny little bit. And if you're gentle with the tiller, um, you can start steering the boat. And we're not in control. The idea is that God has a plan for us. If we want to discover his plan for us, we give him the tiller, but we cooperate. Predestination doesn't mean that we're one of these 
artificial robotic intelligences that we keep reading about that are going to take over everybody's job and that God just presses a button and we're like a robot. No, this is a thing called a covenant. It's, it's love. And, and Jesus showed his love for us on the cross and we show our love back to him by responding and saying, how can I be of service? We just take a step. I'll tell you my poema, my poem, my story, just the short version. My first step that I can probably remember were how I might be able to do good works and service for Christ. I got out of the Navy and I came back to the uh, church I grew up in and I had not the slightest idea what was going to happen in my life, but there was an announcement in the Sunday service, I guess, I can't quite remember where it was made, that they needed someone to supervise a bunch of junior high students, and tell how long ago this was, because it wasn't middle school, it was indeed junior high students, to paint a couple of classrooms in the church building. Well, you might guess there wasn't a really long line of volunteers to oversee the junior high school students doing that, so I volunteered. It was the first ministry thing I ever did. And it wasn't too long after that that uh, I was asked to actually lead this youth group. And I ended up moving to California. I ended up leading uh, children in youth ministry of a very large mega church and, you know, big youth thing and all this type of thing. And I did another youth ministry after that. And in doing youth ministry, again, this was just like one door opened after another But it started with just, yeah, I'll help the kids paint this room or two. One of the things I noticed in youth ministry, which actually I got back far more than I ever gave, because that always happens when you go on this adventure with Christ, is that I noticed that parents were really, really important in that you can have great children's ministry and youth ministry and college ministries and everything else. But mom and dad seem to be so important for the Christian formation of children. And so I really discovered the importance of family ministry while doing youth ministry and discovered youth ministry by volunteering to oversee a group of junior high school kids. They wouldn't destroy the whole church on a Saturday afternoon painting the church. And of course, that emphasis on family ministry I've kept pressing a bit. Most of you heard of my kind of uh, crisis point where uh, in my Protestant pastorate, I couldn't um, any longer basically uh, perform some of the sacraments within the Protestant setting because of my convictions over marriage, which grew out of my emphasis on family ministry, which grew out of my emphasis in youth ministry, which grew out of painting with a bunch of junior high school students. Of course, that led me to the Catholic faith, and at that point, I truly thought my story has come to an end. It was a wonderful time, but, uh, you know, that's it, because what does a Protestant minister do when you become a Catholic? And little did I know, within two years, I met John Paul II face-to-face, the Pope of the family, and got my marching orders for doing what I'm doing with you right now. Uh, and Faith and Family Radio and through the Family Life Center. 
And, you know, who knows what next year brings, but it, you, you just take one step after the other. And it can be this, the simplest thing uh, to do it. And my recommendation is that God is just, his radar is so totally active, seeking a heart and mind that's receptive to his will and not looking for some grandiose thing to do, just doing what he puts in front of you, whatever the opportunity is. And here's a prayer. I call it my one of my 60-second prayers that you can pray for your life guidance. And in praying for your life guidance, you'll find your life purpose. And when you find your life purpose, you're a happy man or woman, boy or girl. And this is that 60-second prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Dear Father, I ask you to place your will and your desires for my life within my heart. I ask you to conform my will and my desires to yours. That's the 60-second prayer for life guidance. And don't worry about the exact words because God understands perfectly, absolutely perfectly. And if you just happen to be a mom or a dad and you might just say, well, you know, I didn't catch that in CCD. I didn't catch that in my youth group. In other words, finding my life purpose. And let me just say, don't immediately think you got to run off to the far corners of the world to find your life purpose. Because if you're a mom or a dad, a major, major, major portion of your life purpose is family life. And what you're doing in the seemingly mundane things in life, you are impacting the future for generations to come. I want to just encourage you not to say, do I have to run off somewhere to find my purpose? It might be staring you in the face uh, right at home. I'd like to uh, close with a uh, quotation on finding your life purpose from Cardinal Stafford, who was the past president of the Pontifical Council for the Laity. He says, every human being has a vocation because God created each individual soul with a specific purpose in mind. The highest joy in life for a Christian is searching out, discovering, and pursuing the purpose for which God called him or her into existence. The idea of vocation implies and demands a larger design to life. It also implies a supreme designer, since someone greater than ourselves must call us out of nothingness to the task we are created to accomplish. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 199 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.